0: Well, good evening Jenny and welcome. Thank you for joining us on our podcast this evening, um, our special edition for the Trisomy Awareness Month. It's lovely to have you.
1: Lovely. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's um, great to be able to speak to you.
0: Yeah, so as one of the founding members of Soft UK, we'd love to hear your story and please tell us um, a little bit about your journey and how you became one of the founding members.
1: Well, it started when I gave birth to a little girl, Beth, and this was in June, 1988, Um, emergency cesarean. And four days later, we were told that she had trisomy 13 um, and that it was terminal and that we could either leave her in the hospital or take her home to die. So we took her home. And of course it was very, very stressful because there were two hourly feeds Um, half of which she'd bring up again, and she had a lot of what's called apnea spells when she stopped breathing and we were desperately trying to resuscitate her. In 1988 there was no internet, no laptops, no Google, no mobile phones. If you wanted information you had to go to the library, and the library had no information about trisomy 13. Um, the hospital said that she was the first baby that had been born with this and it was very, very, very rare. So there was absolutely no support. Um, One day my GP visited me and he knew I was looking for information and he bought photocopies of clinical texts. And these were used by professionals, but they were completely out of date and they were literally just lists of anomalies and problems that had been um, discovered post-mortem on babies. And there were two horrendous photographs of babies that looked like they'd been pinned out like rabbits. Um, I was terribly, terribly upset when I read this. In fact, I was so upset I didn't dare show it to my husband for three or four days because I thought, it so dehumanised her that you know would he still love her if he saw this? Mm-hmm. It was it was that bad. Mm. Um, so anyhow, we carried on, and Beth died when she was three months old. Mm-hmm. Um, so still looking for details, um, I got in touch with contact a family and said that if any other family contacted them would they give them my contact details so that I could chat to them. Mm-hmm. And Within a few months, I had about five or six families that contacted me. So we started a small support group, so really, so we could share information. Yeah. And I sent everybody, all of this was by phone, of course, or letter. And okay. I decided, uh, devised a questionnaire of 60 questions. And they were all happy to answer this. So I thought this would be a basis of a, a booklet. You know, how, what feeding problems did they have? How long yeah. did baby live? Then in touch, another charity that I'd got in touch with, mm-hmm. a lady called Anne Worthington who ran it, said she had a lady called Chris Rose who had started supporting um, families who had a child with trisomy 18. And they were quite similar. Did we want to get in touch? So Chris and I got in touch very quickly. We met. We got on very well. And although trisomy 13 was rarer than trisomy 18, the effect on the babies and the families and the children was very similar. Mm -hmm. So we agreed to merge. And we started providing telephone support to the families. I sent all her families the same questionnaire. Yeah. Um, we used to make newsletters and we'd sit on our dining room floors with photocopying them and then stapling them together and sending them out. We then heard there was an organization called Soft USA in America that had got 2000 members.
0: Yeah.
1: So I wrote to Soft USA and said, Could Chris and I call ourselves Soft UK? And yeah. they were very pleased for this to happen. And they they made us a branch of Soft USA. So we were down there as one of their chapters along with Massachusetts and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have any booklets. They had two pieces of paper they would send out, which was just the information with what could be wrong with a baby, but they also had very thriving newsletter that was sent to every member so they printed the questionnaire in the newsletter and before i knew it there were lots and lots of replies came from american families and photographs so with all the british families and the american families there were quotes from parents i added the basic medical information there were photographs of babies and children and the next step in having a booklet was to get it approved by professionals. Yeah. So we wrote to 15 UK geneticists. Um, one very well-known one wrote back and said, No, can't be done. Yeah. But a young geneticist, Ian Young, he was very, very helpful and he not only proofread the booklet, but he dotted all the I's, he crossed all the T's, he changed things, he really sort of was very enthusiastic that this was going to go ahead and it was going to be done for parents. Um, So then we had the booklets printed and we started producing information packs which included the newsletters and we'd send out a free booklet and we'd send out a link list. So the linked list was families that were happy to go on and give their telephone numbers and addresses so that other families, if they were nearby, could contact them and they yeah. could exchange details. All of this, right from the beginning, Chris and I were very determined it would be free of charge to families. Yeah. And donations had started coming in from the parents that we had um, sent information to. Another geneticist that contacted us was Dr Richard Lindenbaum, who was a highly respected geneticist, and he'd done a lot of groundbreaking work with chromosomes, and he agreed to become our first medical advisor. So then we became a registered charity, and we had our first family day for families early in 1991. And... Dr Lindenbaum was dying from cancer at that point and he actually left off his painkillers for two days, came down by train, spoke to the families and met them before he traveled back. And he died a few weeks later. Um, And then Ian Young agreed to become our second medical advisor. And of course he was Dr Ian Young then and later on he became Professor Ian Young so he again was very very supportive we're extremely lucky with our medical advisors Um, chris and i were both working full-time we both had families with young children we were running soft there were lots of families helping us we were speaking at conferences we were distributing leaflets Um, we supported the setting up of unique which is a charity for Lots of other chromosomal problems, and I can say on behalf of Chris, because her husband David and my husband Peter, without these very patient men who lost their wives for several years, you know, it would never, never have taken off in the way that it did. Um, then technology moved on, and one of the dads, Andrew Botter, he designed our first proper website. And we started getting letters from families who were desperate for more information because they were getting a prenatal diagnosis. Screening moved on. And before it was just families who had a baby or child, but now people were being told that there was a high risk that the pregnancy would be a problem. So that led to us writing your unborn baby We had a lady called Rachel Atwell who had worked for SATFA which was the support after termination for fetal abnormality group they changed their name to ARC and then we had another lovely lady Rachel Moon and she had continued a pregnancy after diagnosis so we had somebody who had terminated pregnancy and somebody who continued a pregnancy so between them they could provide completely unbiased support for families, just to give them the information they wanted so they could make the decision that was right for their, their family. Um, and that's it, really. And then everything moved on from there. I mean, I'm now an old lady, I retired several years ago. And um, my daughter, who was born 11 months after. Beth died, Daniela, yeah. of course, is now a GP and a trustee of SOFT. Yeah. amazing. And she was in that very,
0: very first crash
1: that Dr. Lindenbaum came to when he talked oh. to the parents. Wow,
0: oh, so she's, she's been part of it from the very beginning as well.
1: Yeah, so she, she remembers year on, year off, the coming to conferences and meeting families and meeting other children. Okay. And oh. although Beth was born died before daniella was born mm. she still said that she she grew up with soft and mm. she said things would occur such as when she was at school children might say how many brothers and sisters have you got and she said it was a horrible question to answer because if she didn't mention beth then she felt she was letting her down and if she did mention beth I'd say, "Oh, we didn't
0: know her and there's a lot of questions that come if you do mention her yeah,
1: so yeah, yeah. but she Amazing. spoke at a conference along with Steffi and that the girl who'd got um a sibling with A.T. and they both spoke yeah. about their their experiences.
0: Yeah, so special and such a family involvement in the charity from, from the start, which is so lovely. Yeah. Jenny yeah it's so interesting to hear how it's come such a long way with you know you talk about the advent of technology and the screening and pregnancy how all of that changed because it must have been such a different world to to have a baby born with no contact no internet and you must have just felt so alone at first but how incredible that you put all those procedures and processes in place to to support other people and provide that information that was so lacking and it's really such an inspiring story. So sure, thank you for for sharing it with us. Um, It's been really lovely and very, very interesting to hear the the story from one of the founders um, Uh, yourself. So thank you so much.
1: I do hope that the um, Trisomy Awareness Month is a huge success. And it was always a struggle to try and get information out there if you like. You know, you, you would send leaflets and you would go down around GP surgeries, but of course we sent them to every hospital, we sent them to geneticists, Because one person might read a leaflet, put it in a drawer and it was never mm. seen. Again. Yeah. So in fact, the advent of the internet has been really good in that information is now available to everybody.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to make a huge or does make a huge difference to people's experiences of such a difficult situation to have that information and support and the fact that the world is now so small and we can tap into, you know, organizations and research across, you know, across the world really. We're not just limited to what happens in the United Kingdom and as you even discovered in those early days, you could help people on the other side of the world and they could share knowledge and photographs.
1: So how how wonderful! Soft has always had close links with um, Soft USA, and a lot of our parents with older children have loved going to their conferences because there's so many other children. There. Yeah, you know, yeah. from being fairly rare here once mm. in America, it's a different story.
0: Yeah, and, I, think the whole... I, mean,
1: Chris and I used to have people that would get in touch with us from France and Hungary, even China, Singapore. And, yeah. you know, you could point them in different directions where they could perhaps find help.
0: Yeah, it's um, very interesting because that's still the case today. I was just saying yesterday how I looked in the database and there's families from Australia, South Africa, you know, Ghana. There's all kinds of people who are still in touch with stuff from all over the world. Um, and Jenny, you've actually answered a question that we've been pondering about: which came first, Soft UK or Soft US? So when we oh, Soft actually, U,
1: Soft USA was. Yeah. As I said, and the, Dr. John Carey, who's been their medical advisor for many, many years, has yeah. actually come over and spoken at our conference. Okay. okay. But but unlike Ian Young, who always replied to letters and always um, came up with advice. Um, John Carey, who is lovely, Mm. everybody knows he never replies to letters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's a bit more difficult to pin down, is he? (laughs) very busy person. Yeah, yeah. All these professional advisors are amazing, giving of their time and their expertise and um, yeah, we've got some fantastic advisors at the moment who are so passionate, and you know we yeah. hear time and again that they're in touch with families, answering questions, you know, ringing up in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, and it's really incredible the lens they go to, the passion um behind the work that they do. So it's lovely yeah. that 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 continues as well.
1: Lovely. Anyway,
0: yeah, we'll, thank you very much for talking. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. It's been really lovely. We really appreciate your time, and thank you for joining us in trisomy waste man.